and Barner. Hey, Karen Devaney, we need a promo. You know, like where we talk about what we do on our podcast. On our sugar-coated murder podcast? Like how we love to bake and talk about murder? That's what we need to talk about. There you go. I think we've talked about it. Y'all find us on all your favorite listening apps. Stay sweet. And don't murder. Because if you kill people, we will talk about you. What's up, Rewatchers? It's Dustin here to let you know that this show may feature strong or inappropriate language, so please be mindful of who around you can hear it. After the show, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, or wherever you listen. The feedback helps us out a lot. Also, we assume that you've at least watched the show or the episode we will be discussing. If not, just be warned that there are spoilers ahead. But really, it's your fault because these shows have been out for a while. <laughs> Enjoy. So yeah, how are you feeling about Christmas time? <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. It's a my so-called life Christmas. Mm, and and we're all <laughs> feeling the feels, the deep feels. The the not the typical not the typical Christmas feels in this episode. <laughs> no, no, for sure not. Uh, no, I know. It's okay. It's okay. We're gonna be all right. We're gonna make it through this this holiday season. <laughs> Hopefully, we've already made it through. The Hopefully, holiday yes. Season. Hopefully. <laughs> Welcome to the Rewatch Recap. I'm Dustin. With me, as always, for these My So-Called Life episodes, it's Kay from Fuck My Work Life. Hi. How are things going for you, Kay? Uh, fantastic. How was your birthday? I know you had it a birthday was, last week. It was good. It was fun. I held birds. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You had like a, did you have a hawk or an owl? Yeah, both. An owl and a falcon, actually. Falcon. Okay. Yes. So for those of you wondering, it wasn't like last week as in February when this is <laughs> yeah. airing. This is actually like last week as in October. <laughs> so don't get things mixed up. I know it's a little weird. We're filming, filming, recording in October. So this is a quote holiday season episode. And so it's really weird. We're, we're recording in October for a Christmas episode that won't air until February. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to like really extend this holiday season for us. Yeah. Really, It's podcast time travel. It is. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, um, it won't be airing until February, but we're going to pretend like it's December right now. So we're going to keep the spirit alive here in the rewatch recap. Yeah. <laughs> so you can listen to it year round if you want to. And it's a little, since, it's a little gloomy outside, so it feels kind of holiday-y. It's gloomy here too. Like it just yeah. started like raining and a little bit of thunder and everything. It wasn't even, I looked it up and it was like, oh, clear skies. And now it's raining and thunder. So mm. stupid we weather might, channel app. We It says we might get some thunder this afternoon. I hope that actually happens because we rarely get that here. I don't understand. I just don't get it. Why does the desert never get any rain? I don't understand. I don't know. Well, they get they get kind of monsoony things further east, but near the, the coast, we don't get it. I wonder why. That's so weird to me. 
you would no. think you would get them, but because like I know in Hawaii it rains at least thirty minutes every day. Yeah. Every single day. So you're both on the Pacific Ocean. You would think maybe something would be making its way to you more yeah, often. But. I mean, I think the humidity just dies by this point. But I mean, the past couple of years, thank you, global warming, it has been getting a lot more humid here. So Fingers maybe crossed. The, the one silver lining of that will be we get more thunderstorms. Hopefully. Oh, God. Because you guys are done with the droughts and all the damn forest fires and whatnot. So we need to, yeah. we need to stop that action. Exactly. Uh, anyway, okay, so yeah, we're both in gloomy atmospheres right now, which kind of feels wintry in a way, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of sad, and uh, but we're not going to do that. We're going to have some good times here. It's a little bittersweet, but it's going to be good, and we're going we're gonna to go through this episode, which is titled So-Called Angels. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you if you have had any angelic or miracle stories that have happened in your life that you can remember. <laughs> well, you know my memory sucks, but you <laughs> you gave me a couple day warning to try to remember something. There's there wasn't there hasn't been anything super dramatic, but there have been quite a few times where I will be at a red light in my car and the light turns green and for whatever reason I just don't go. Mm-hmm. And then a car comes speeding through the red light going the opposite direction. So had I gone when the light turned green, I would have got smooshed. So there there has been a few times that that has happened and not this was years ago where I mean now nobody stops for red lights ever. There's usually yeah. four or five cars that go through the red light. This is back when people actually stopped for red lights, but you know occasionally someone would go zooming through and yeah. Get I mean, that. That's I, what I I read that thing where Someone says that gut feeling you have is actually mm-hmm. your guardian angel. Yeah. I like I like to think of it that way. How about yeah. you? Definitely. Definitely. Like similar in a, in a car. Um, there was an icy Christmas Eve when I was in my mid-20s. And I'm going to say there wasn't, this isn't one of those gut feeling ones, but still. Um, so my cousin Stacy and I were driving to Midnight Mass in her old neighborhood. She was driving actually. And we turned down her old street and then we hit a patch of black ice mm. and like it was scary as hell. Like um, we spun like multiple times around, whipping around. It was scary. I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And we ended up in someone's yard. And the thing was someone was parked for some reason they were parked in their yard at the bottom, like right at the street in the yard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we spun up into the yard and um, we both went slammed in the side of this car that was parked in their yard and just messed it all up. Luckily, neither one of us were hurt at all. That's like, good. There was glass smashed. There was the sides were all bent in and whatnot. She was freaking out. She's like, oh, my God, my dad's going to be so mad at me. And I'm like, he's going to be fine. He's going to be oh, totally fine with you being okay and the car is yeah. messed up. Uh, we, it, you didn't do anything wrong. I'm here to vouch for you. You didn't do anything wrong. Because I've you know been in several accidents and luckily I have survived. And yeah. <laughs> that's another thing. Someone's watching over me. I know it. Um. My mom actually gave me one of those little guardian angel pendants to put in my car. Mm-hmm. And it says, never drive faster than your guardian angel can fly. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. Yeah. So I thought that was cute, but I still have it. But uh, I definitely think we had a guardian angel that night and a lot of other nights that I could said. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, well, this was kind of kind of plugging the other show, is if you want to hear another like Christmassy tale of mine that's kind of about 
kind of supernaturally. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of weird. But um, over on Dustin can read and watch. In 2020, I put out a story special called A Christmas Memory. And it's about my experience with Santa Claus when I was a kid. Okay. And about why I actually still believe in him today. So okay. it's a short episode. If you want to hear it, definitely check it out. Like I said, it was from 2020 in December. Uh, Dustin can read and watch called A Christmas Memory. It's silly, but it, I kind of got really sentimental. And when I listen to it back, I start crying because it just, Aww. you ever had those memories and you, you, when you start telling somebody about it, you get choked up and you're just like, why am I crying? I've thought about this a million times. But when you start telling somebody about it, you're like, <laughs> yeah. So I listen to it and it's like, cause I'm telling myself, I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I really pulled on my own heartstrings. It's, you know. I'll have to go listen to it. I, I have a memory. I was a very small child. One of the few memories I have um, of looking out my window mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve and seeing oh Santa flying in the sky. You know, it could have been a dream, but I I remember seeing that as a little kid, and I was I never believe even, it. I was never even a huge believer in Santa Claus, even from a young age. I'm like, I know my parents are buying me this shit, <laughs> but. But I swear, I like looked out the window, and I remember telling my brothers, and they're like, "Shut up, you're stupid." <laughs> but Aww. I swear, I saw it. You probably did. See, there's a whole thing. I even explain it in that episode in that story special about why I think some people see it and some people don't, and why I think that Santa Claus is real in a way that not everyone thinks of. So, at least in my opinion. So, if you want to listen to it and find out what I meant about that, you'll. Just listen to it. I don't want to tell you here because I want yeah, people yeah. to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, I, wanna, I haven't heard that one, so I want to go listen to it. Okay, cool. So before we get into this, um, I want to say this episode premiered on December 22nd, 1994, oh, wow. which was not too far from Christmas Day. No. I think, I think it's cool because most shows like take their time. like They, they do their winter break early, like two or three mm-hmm. weeks before Christmas, and they show their Christmas episode and they're gone for a month. Yeah. And I just thought that was neat how this was like oh, three days before Christmas. So also the guest star, the special guest star for this episode is Juliana Hatfield mm-hmm. of the Juliana Hatfield Three, which I think they're best known for their song Spin the Bottle. Spin around again. Yep. I love that song. <laughs> and I love listening like after I I didn't know I, I didn't know that was her song and I don't really heard part of it. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't huge in MTV until after this. And I think that's why I got into MTV. You know what? That is why I got into MTV because they started repeating my so-called life. And so I started watching oh, yeah. it more mm-hmm. and just happened to, you know, suck me in. So yeah, there you go. I didn't really realize that. That's so weird. But anyway, so Juliana Hatfield, she plays a homeless girl that Angela encounters, but more on that later. Mm-hmm. Also, you may have noticed there was a lack of narration in this episode. There was oh, no narration, yeah. no no thoughts or anything going on in this entire episode. It's pretty much a straightforward piece with no insight. Um, the story pretty much lays it all out for you anyway. Yeah. But I guess if there was a storyteller, it would be the homeless girl that Juliana Hatfield plays. Yeah. Because she keeps showing up. So by far, this is one of the best episodes of this show, which I know I say a lot, but yeah. If you're a sucker for a good, bittersweet, heartwarming holiday story, then this one will do you right. Not just heartwarming, heart-wrenching. Like this one. Oh, speaking of crying. I've seen this 
episode so many times and every time, every time there's one moment that we'll get to that are just instant fucking tears. Well, there was a moment that came up that I didn't expect. I was typing out my recap for it. I was like, oh my God, why am I crying? Like I never cried at this moment before. And it hit me differently this time. I don't know why, but I'll explain that too. Um, But anyway, so are we ready to get into the Christmas spirit? Yes. Okay, good. Go now. Go. So this episode doesn't actually have the opening theme sequence. Instead, we get a soft open that shows the My So-Called Life title card. But we hear some kids reciting the Angel of God prayer softly. And it goes, Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom his love commits me here. Ever this day, be at my side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Or amen, however you say it. We see someone falling face down into the snow, spitting blood onto the ground. Meanwhile, multiple prayers can be heard as children say they're hungry, that they're cold, etc. And the person gets up off the ground and we see that it's Ricky. You know. He's got a major black eye. He's crying. Of course, his mouth is bleeding. He's cold. People on the street just kind of look past him and they keep walking as he gets up and he goes and he turns into a dark alley. And that's where the camera pans over and we see a woman, a.k.a. Juliana Hatfield, looking at him as he walks away. She's playing a guitar. And at first, it just seems like random strumming that dissolves into an acoustic version of Silent Night. Mm-hmm. The, pam- the camera pans down again toward the snow. And we get a crossfade into the chase home as Angela continues Silent Night, but on the family piano. I didn't know she played, but you know. Yeah, it might be the first and only time we see her playing piano. <laughs> I didn't even nice... know they had a piano. Actually, I don't right? remember seen one before. That's where the cat hides, apparently. <laughs> in the piano. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a time vortex in that house. Yeah, I really like this this fade in though from this like dissolve from the guitar into Angela. Get that like cold, sad into the nice, warm chase home. Exactly. So Danielle enters quickly with a box of ornaments, complaining that it's not fair that Angela got a new bike when she was 11. And Graham asks if they could just, you know, do you just keep a running tally of everything that we buy for Angela? And and Danielle comes back with, well, yeah. Yeah. Still love this kid. This is so (laughs) true of younger siblings. (laughs) Yeah. Like, for instance, I still get bitter about this, but my parents bought my brother a brand new car for his high school graduation. Mm -hmm. I did not get a new car. That sucks. And when I complained about it, they said, well, he got a full scholarship to college to play baseball. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Let's be honest, y'all. This was a community college scholarship. (laughs) I got a scholarship, too, for a four-year university. It wasn't a full ride, but it still was significant. But they didn't consider that. I mean, I'm I'm a spoiled brat. I know. It's a car, and a lot of people don't get that at all. But still. Yeah. It may, you know, they had seven and a half years or eight years for me, you know, they had time. Right, right. <laughs> and they didn't get me a game car. <laughs> My, anyway. I, I had a friend who got a brand new car for their 16th birthday. And I was just like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't was, think you should. You I was know. not spoiled. <laughs> I don't think your first car should be brand new at all. That's no. your learner car. You know, yeah. your you know, your independence car. So that way if you get into an accident or something, no big loss, right? Yeah. But. You know, 18 years old, or if everybody else is getting a brand new car, I kind of want one now. <laughs> yeah. I've had a few years. Give me, give me a new car. Give me. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. 
So Patty enters telling Danielle they can't afford that particular bike, but she stops short as she explained, um, excuse me, as she examines the mail because they got a Christmas card from the Lavettis. Ah, we just took them off the holiday card list this year because we haven't heard from them in nearly a decade. Now all Patty is concerned with is how she's fucking concerned with always how mm-hmm. things will look. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's oh. worried that if they send them a card now, it look like just because they because the Levetti sent them a card. So I'm like, so the fuck what? Send it or don't. Right. You don't owe these people anything, Patty. I also like how Graham was like, Patty, it's a greeting card, not a dead fish. <laughs> He's like, calm the fuck down. <laughs> Chill out. Of course, the brief silence of the room is interrupted by Danielle discovering that Angela got new boots. <laughs> yes, Danielle, they love her more. Or, or at least they're trying to buy her love more. <laughs> exactly. Patty tells her to stop keeping score and Graham compliments them like they must be warm. Mm. That's when Angela throws a curveball into the conversation by asking, how come we don't go to church? It's random. Mm-hmm. This stumps her parents and Patty tries to blame it on the girls. Saying, well, you haven't really shown much enthusiasm over the past year. I'm like, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> You're the adult. But anyway, Angela's follow up with, well, do you believe in God? And now Graham and Patty are like scrambling. They're, yeah. they're uh, uh, well, uh, 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 <laughs> so they basically state that you can believe in God without going to church. A mantra, which I, I personally hold dear because church is not for me. No. And Patty says, your father was raised Catholic and I wasn't. So we have certain differences, which doesn't mean that we don't. Uh, then Danielle comes in for the kill. Do we have to keep talking about religion? It's Christmas. <laughs> love love you, I Danielle. I can't love her enough. I can't say it enough. So we cross fade over to the high school where we see a small choir singing Away in a Manger, which is problematic for me because religious songs should not be kept in schools. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And for anyone that comes to me saying that Christmas is Jesus's birthday, I'm sorry. You're wrong. Yeah. It, sorry, it is not. not. Pretty much every tradition and practice we have at Christmas time is actually from the pagan celebration of Yule. Yep. And Jesus was actually born in the springtime. So sorry about that. However, the church decided that they wanted to take over someone else's holiday and put more focus on Christianity. So they made up this Jesus birthday BS on in December and repurposed most of the traditions that we have. And I'm not going to name them all off. It's not hard information to find. You can Google it. You're going to hell, Dustin. I know I am. Rayanne and Angela pass by the choir. Rayanne is astonished that people really get into this, quote, Christmas thing. Apparently, she and her mother just like to wait for things to go on sale. Can't you feel the holiday magic in the air? (laughs) This is when Ricky walks up and they see his shiner. He says, it's okay. He was running to catch the bus and he slipped on some ice. And you can see Rayanne's face that she's not buying it. Yeah. She's not. uh Uh-uh. Angel's like, so you like fell in your face or something? <laughs> yeah. He's like, how am I supposed to know? Uh. So he no. asks for some quarters so we can get a candy bar before Soch. And all the while, like Angel's staring at him. Yeah. It when seems he runs like, off. Go ahead. Uh, it seems like Rayanne has been probably through this with Ricky before. So she's not phased where this Angela is just completely shocked. Just like, oh, like, what the shit. hell happened to your face? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So he runs off and Angela pulls Rayanne aside and asks if Ricky was telling the truth. Rayanne tells him, sure, but also that Ricky has a tendency to get beat up and he doesn't like to talk about it. 
She then walks off and over to Sharon, who is putting up flyers for the teen helpline. Rayanne, ever, ever as snarky as she ever is, says, making depressed people talk to someone like you, could that like push them over the edge? <laughs> and Sharon does her squinty eye thing and retorts with, over the edge. That's like your address, right? Could come back, Sharon. Yeah. And Rayanne laughs sarcastically before taking a handful of Sharon's flyers and throwing them in the air before walking off like a bitch. And she's such a bitch. Like she's such a bitch. had bonding moments and she's just, nah, I'm going to be a fucking bitch to you now. Yeah. Angela just makes a disapproving grimace at Sharon as she follows Rayanne like, sorry, you know. We catch a glimpse of Brian Krakow grabbing one of the flyers off the ground, and Sharon spots him and perks up. She wants to know if he's still joining her for Christmas Eve to represent Liberty High at the teen helpline. However, he doesn't want to do it, regardless of if he signed up or not. He tells her to unsign him. Yeah. Of course, Sharon is left high and dry again. Mm-hmm. Poor thing. She just wants to be a good person and be enthusiastic about stuff, and people always shit on her. Uh, they do. But Brian, you could tell Brian's kind of going through some shit, though, too. He's all flustered and just kind of a little bit more on edge than normal. Really sullen. and Yeah. So at the Chase house that evening, Patty and Graham are putting on their coats to leave when Patty says, you will not believe what Bernice and Bob Krakow did. And Graham says, oh, I know, but just that once, right, to make Brian? (laughs) (laughs) Graham's humor is my favorite. I love it. He's such, oh my God. He's so He makes quippy. such dad jokes, but also like good sarcastic like quips. Like <laughs> Just that once, right? To make Brian? <laughs> one time. Just one time. <laughs> Turns out the Krakows went on a 10-day cruise and called Patty from the boat to look in on Brian. Great parents, right? Right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't make sure that was taken care of before you go on a cruise? Yes. Like, A, Uh, why would you go out of town without your only child over the holidays? mm -hmm. B, why would you not tell someone about it till you were literally on the cruise? (laughs) Right. And C, why have I never noticed that Brian Krakow's parents have B names as well? Oh, my God. Bernice and Bob. Bernice, Bob, and Brian. That's gross. I know. I hate that. Uh, I know people who have families and they do that and it just Mm kind of makes me go, why? And it makes me think that they just don't want to pay for anything that has initials on it, <laughs> like new things. That's Hand the only it thing. Down I can make to up. your sister. Same initials. <laughs> yeah, same initials. Yeah, B Krakow. Oh, okay. So Graham tries to justify that Brian probably likes to be alone, and the Krakows are Jewish anyway, and Hanukkah has probably has already happened at this point. Patty still doesn't like it, and I'm with you there. Yeah, I'm with you there, Patty. It's still the holiday season, whether that particular holiday you celebrate, it's still going to be fucking depressing. If you're home alone, your parents literally ditched you. Right. And all your friends are hanging out with their families and you're just fucking by yourself because your parents suck. It's kind of like Valentine's Day when you know it's not a holiday that really means anything. So it's like Christmas shouldn't mean anything to him, really, but it does to other people and therefore... When, like on Valentine's Day, if you're not with in a relationship with someone and you see everyone around you, it feels like is in a relationship. It just makes you feel lonelier, you know? Yeah. So when everybody's families are together and you're by yourself, it makes you feel even lonelier. Yeah. So Patty calls out, girls, we're going off to purchase a few lumps of coal. 
I know, but I kind of like the corny yeah. kids. What is corny? <laughs> Didn't we Sorry. already ask that? I know. Yes, we did. I feel, Daniel, like, I feel like we did. <laughs> Danielle asked that. Hopefully I just, by what now, is corny? I, I feel like we asked the audience, so maybe by now we will have some responses to. <laughs> audience, what reiterate. What is corny? What is corny? It's corn. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> That that trends were probably long gone by the time this it is, is airing. It is very much people were like, oh my gosh, you remember that? That's so last year. So 2022. <laughs> so Graham opens the door to leave and asks Patty what she wants for a present this year. He calls her shorty. I don't know why. I know. This is weird. I know. It, I don't, anyway, well, she is shorter, but her only wish is that is she would like him to join them at church for Christmas Eve mass. He brushes it off and says, church isn't for me. And she says she knows, but it's been a part of it's been a part of their lives. It hasn't been a part of their lives, but she wants it to be. And I'm like, why? Why, Patty? Why yeah. do you want this? Do, don't say it's a freaking sense of community. There are other ways. You can volunteer. You can do like Graham and take a class. You could take up a hobby and find an adult book club or something. You know, just like sounds like she's only feeling guilty because she thinks she has to. Yeah, probably because Angela brought it up. And so now she's like, oh, well, maybe we should. Yeah. And part of me with Graham, it's like, okay, I get it. That's not your thing. So good for sticking to your guns. But also, this is your family. And it's the one thing your wife wants. So also just suck it up for one night. I (laughs) agree. And there's that thing, like, if it's just for Christmas Eve, why not? Yeah. She's not asking for every week or every, you know, Wednesday and Sunday or whatever, however you go, you know, church. But just Christmas Eve, which I'll go for Christmas Eve with my family. I'm not a big church person, but I'll go. Yeah, I always feel guilty because I never go up and do communion because I'm like, I didn't earn this. I'm not. Yeah. I have to take classes and stuff. This is Catholic church, you am know. Am I gonna get? Am I gonna get struck down by lightning? <laughs> right. Well, you're supposed to go and you're supposed to get like, um, what do you call it? Catholic. Your first communion, whatever. You had to work yeah. up to it. You like take classes. You take certain. You know what I mean. And then you get to do it officially. Yeah. I never did that. I never went through those. I'm like, I'm not going. It's. I feel disrespectful doing that. You yeah. know, I'm respectful of someone else's religion enough to know I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. My dad so. married a very, very Catholic woman and they had to go through all kinds of classes and stuff because he was not Catholic for them to get married in the Catholic church. And then they did communion during the the ceremony and stuff. And me and my brothers were all just like, mm-hmm. like no, thank you. <laughs> you know, we had, to, we had to pass on that. It was. Yeah. I'd like a little wine, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give me, just give me, the, give me the, give me the blood give, of Christ. Give me the carafe of wine. And I'll meet you out back. <laughs> Open up a vein, Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> turn into vampires all of a sudden. It's wine, you know. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, so he says, "Then you should go before heading to the car." I'm like, okay. Yeah, kind of rude. Out back, Angela's taking out the trash when she hears a noise. <gasps> she jumps back and says, "Who's there?" Then she sees, oh, it's just Ricky. He's emerging yeah. from the shadows. Mm. He says he's sorry and asks if he's if she scared if he scared her. And she says, no. A lie, girl, you were scared as fuck. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't even stop to be like, who's there? I would run immediately back into my house, slam the door, lock it. <laughs> you know? I'm like, who the fuck is there? <laughs> who's out there? Who's who's hiding in my trash cans? Reveal yourself. <laughs> So it's obvious that Ricky's been out in the cold, snowy weather for a while. She looks at him, 
up and down. And then you know, why don't you come in? He says he was over at Brian's house and just thought he'd stop by. Yeah, I don't buy mm, it. But no. once inside, he says he was at Rayanne's earlier today and Amber's boyfriend, Rusty, was there. And he says, boy, Rusty's unfriendly. Angela points out that, so you went from Rayanne's to Brian's, but he's like, changes the subject. I just realized Amber and Rusty are both like earth tones. Yeah. <laughs> he's trying to evade, right? Yeah. Danielle rounds the corner saying, isn't it kind of late to be like, to like drop by? Shut up, Danielle. Shut up, girl. This is one time I don't like you. Shut up. You don't know yeah. what's going on. She's too young to understand. I don't think she's too young to understand. I just think they act like she's too young to understand. She understands a lot. That's, that's true. <laughs> she, she does. does get, she does get very wise sometimes. Angela calls her out for being rude, but Ricky says she's right and he should go. He starts, but then he kind of pauses like, your house smells amazing. Mm. Angela tells him that her dad is teaching a cooking class and trying out new recipes. She goes, do you want something to eat? And then we cut to see a pool, a full plate of food on the counter as Ricky pigs out. He says he must have forgotten to eat lunch that day or something. Like blatant lies he yeah. just keeps making, you know. She knows it, but she doesn't want to call him out on it and make him feel right. worse. It's very obvious. Like he's not telling the truth, but whatever. Yeah. She just goes along with it. We then hear Patty and Graham come home with Patty's first words. Who tracked all these wet footprints in the hall? I'm Probably like, one Ugh. of your kids, Patty. Shut up. I know. <laughs> and I hate that feeling of being in someone's house, being a guest, and not noticing when I've done something like this. Yeah. Especially when the parents are the ones who call it out. And you're like, oh, mm -hmm. kill me now. You know? Mm -hmm. It's bad. So they come into the kitchen and Patty takes a look at Ricky and puts on her fake happy smile and says, oh, Ricky's here. Graham, look, Ricky's here. And Graham says, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what makes me laugh. Uh, uh, Angela explains that Ricky was visiting Brian and Ricky apologizes that his shoes were leaking and he'll clean it up. Patty tells him, oh, it's no big deal. She immediately turns to Angela and asks to see her in the other room because she, quote, needs her to try on something. Could you be so, more obvious? So obvious. Ugh. Obviously, they're going to go talk about him. It's not right. hard to see. but So they're talking in hushed voices, and Angela tries to calm them down, but they want to know if Ricky was in a fight. She says, he said he fell down. And Patty says, it's awfully late to have friends over, and Angela says she has this feeling he doesn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. Good. Good, Angela. Trust that instinct, right? Mm-hmm. In the kitchen, Ricky starts to listen in as Graham and Patty talk to her, to Angela, about whether Ricky ran away from home and if they should talk to him. Angela says that will freak him out and begs them just to let him stay for one night. And Patty says it's not their place because his parents could be expecting him. Patty says, quote, having him stay here is not the answer. And Angela says loudly, then what is the answer? Just as the back door closes. Mm. Angela runs after him and looks out the window and sees that he's gone into the dark, cold night. Do we even know? Does Ricky even live with his parents? Yeah, we don't know what happens to it. But we, you know, we hear some stuff later on, but we don't really know yeah. anything about what happened with his parents. So, yeah, and we have no idea. Like, we have no background. We haven't seen any of his home life or anything up to this point. Right. Right. I do know that 
originally when I watched this episode, there was a whole article with Wilson Cruz mm -hmm. and how they loosely based this on his own experience with his own family. I don't know if he got beat up or not, but I know he got kicked out of the house when he came out Ugh. and he ended up homeless for a little while. But apparently things worked out at, in the end, but they they heard this story and they're like, okay, we're going to do something with Ricky, you know, yeah. which mm. I thought was a good, good idea. Yeah. So after a commercial break, we pick up on a random street with a Christmas tree lot and some people shopping in a store. The song... There's no place like home for the holidays is playing. And it's the worst rendition of that song <laughs> I have ever heard. This woman is way over expressive in her version. She's like, there's no place like home for the holidays. It's like, oh, my God, just turn it off. You do that I mean, so well. I know. <laughs> I, I can know. sing better than this, people, I swear. <laughs> We see Jordan exiting a, the store and looking like he's packing some cigarettes in his hand that he just bought when who should he spot on the corner but Ricky, still looking cold and lost. He passes by Ricky and Ricky smiles and says, hey, and Jordan kind of just looks at him and keeps going, but then he stops halfway to his car and then turns around and asks if Ricky needs a ride. I'm like, you know, Jordan can be nice. Yeah, he can. And... So reluctantly, Ricky agrees, and they get into his car. And when Jordan asks Ricky where he's going, Ricky hesitates, saying he needs to think first. And intuitively, Jordan looks at him and says, look, if you need some place to crash, I know a place. Ricky tells him thanks. Before starting the car, Jordan looks back at Ricky and says, my old man used to knock me around, too. And when Ricky seems interested in it, Jordan explains that his dad hasn't done it in a couple of years because the last time he did it, Jordan threw a chair at him. Yeah. Ricky says, well, I'm going to light a candle for you on Christmas Eve. And Jordan seems doubtful when he says, yeah, you think that changes anything? And Ricky just says, uh-huh. Mm. As they drive off, passing the same homeless girl with the guitar as she watches on. And I have to be honest, after all the Jordan trashing we've done so far on the rewatch of the series so far, this scene made me tear up. Oh, yeah. Like I didn't, I, I don't know why I forgot about this, this part and Jordan being so selfless and caring mm -hmm. in the way that Jordan is. But it was so nice to be reminded that Jordan is just a lost kid too. Yeah. That's and true. it's bittersweet, but it really got to me while I was watching it. I was like, why am I getting so emotional right now? <laughs> yeah. Back at the chase house, Patty is sitting in her bedroom contemplating something. She turns to Graham, who's watching It's a Wonderful Life. By the way, if you've ever caught the credits at the end of the show, all the way through, there's a nod to It's a Wonderful Life at the very end of the, each episode. Because the production company is called the Bedford Falls Company, which oh. is where It's a Wonderful Life takes place. Yeah. And they show the, the house, and then you hear, and dance by the light of the moon, which is in It's a Wonderful Life. So. Oh. so that's why they use this in this episode, I thought. It's kind of neat. Yeah. Very I never, meta. I never made that connection before. Yeah. She asks if, were we wrong to turn away Ricky earlier? And Graham says, that they weren't wrong because they don't know that much about Ricky. They don't know him very well. I'm like, that's so, not a good excuse. No. No. A kid, a kid in obvious trouble. 
and you're like, no. Yeah. Fuck it you doesn't guys. make like he's hurt. He's scared. You just let him walk out into the freezing night, Graham. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's always been nothing but polite to you. Right. Always polite and just pleasant, you know? And I mean, you know that much about him. He's a good yeah. kid. And so, they, they went through that whole thing with Rayanne together. They were sitting there in the hospital together when Rayanne OD'd. Like, they've had moments. It's not like he's this stranger. Right. You know? I agree. Fuck these guys. Fuck, them. <laughs> Fuck these parents. <laughs> she kind of agrees with him saying that they don't know his family situation. He says, you're right. And then he goes, except I do think he kind of makes you uncomfortable. She, she's call, he's calling her out. Yeah. Which, you know. He's right. Yeah. She wants to know if he means because Ricky wears makeup. And Graham says it would be a different story if it were Brian Krakow with the black eye in their house. Mm-hmm. And I want to play out that the scene playing on the TV in the background is where George Bailey is getting ready to jump off the bridge. And the angel Clarence is trying to coax him down. I don't know why, but this seems significant because mm-hmm. they're yeah. blurred. And you see clearly that screen is yeah. what's going on. And I guess it's that crossroads moment, maybe, you know, and what should we do? And I think that's what they're trying to mirror or maybe it's yeah. metaphor there. I don't know. Or and like guardian angels and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Looking out for somebody who's in pain. Yeah. So Patty says she can't, com- he can't compare Brian and Ricky. It's true. You can't. But no matter what, it's a scared kid that needs right. your help. Right. She says she's known Brian since he was five. She says it it shouldn't make a difference, but it does. Yeah. And you can tell this makes them feel both really guilty. Mm -hmm. They both have that face like, we shouldn't be. I'm like, did and also, did you notice how hoarse Patty's voice was in the scene? It was. I feel like it's kind of throughout this episode. She's got that kind of like sexy, cold, losing your (laughs) In your voice, though. At least it sounds real, like it's it's yeah. appropriate for the you know episode. Yeah. There's snow and everything everywhere, and then yeah, I think that's yeah. kind of funny. So we're back at school with Angela standing at the lockers, asking Rayanne where Ricky is. Rayanne, of course, plays it off, saying that he might be running late from a Salminio film festival. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Damn you, Graf, and your inappropriately sharp wit. <laughs> Angela laments that she should have hidden Ricky in her room. And Rayanne tells Angela that he may have gone to his cousins like he does sometimes. And then tells her to stop feeling guilty because she, quote, can't like be responsible for the whole world. <laughs> yeah, but you can worry about your friends. I know. You know, Rayanne always writes things off. She always yeah, does. Yeah, because she doesn't like to feel things. <laughs> exactly. Angela just nods. Then we cut over to Brian complaining to Sharon what is the big thing about Christmas? Everyone talks about it like it's the second coming or something. <laughs> and Sharon proceeds to try to beg him to please help out with the helpline. She makes a good point that the holidays are like for really lonely people and they're pre- depressed and hopeless. And he says, so what? What do I care? And she continues saying that depressed people have like a loss of appetite. Christmas cookie? And he goes, I'm not hungry. <laughs> yeah. He's like displaying all the things she's listing. <laughs> what do I care? I'm hopeless. So what? I'm yeah. not hungry. I mean, yeah. Come on. Read the sign, Sharon. You're not helping anybody. Yeah. Maybe you're not the best for the, the teen helpline there, Sharon. <laughs> but you know what? Also, I noticed I said, like, look at this boy's face. And then I said, oh, 
I just noticed that it's mostly the boys in this episode you feel the most sorry for. Yeah. Yeah. And like all the bad stuff's happened to the guys for mm-hmm. the most part. Maybe not Graham, but you know, the teenage boys. Yeah. So she pleads again. She promised the supervisor and everyone else has plans on Christmas Eve. And Brian takes immediate offense to her comment saying, oh, except me, right? Get Brian. He never has any plans. And then he backs away and says, happy holidays. Before <laughs> leaving Sharon stranded in the hallway. Like, don't you see he's going through it, Sharon? Come on. Right? Pick up the cues, Sharon. Damn. So she goes into the bathroom to find Rayanne blowing bubbles randomly. She starts to dump all of her grief about Brian Krakow, how he totally screwed her over. And Rayanne says, how not unusual, prompting Sharon to ask if she knows Brian Krakow. And Rayanne says, uh, not really. We slept together once. <laughs> and you can imagine the deadpan look Sharon gives Ray Ray. Yeah. Rayanne says, it's a joke, Chersky. <laughs> and then offers bubbles? her the bubbles. Yeah, Bubbles? bubbles? <laughs> Sharon reiterates how she told the helpline that there would be two volunteers from Liberty High, and now she's screwed. She asks, how do I get myself into these situations? And Rayanne goes into full into the stall and says, wild guess, stupidity? <laughs> Sharon actually agrees because she's done this type of thing over and over. She says she's so overextended. Besides the helpline, she has a holiday basket thing for a nursing home she said she'd make. She has, quote, 2 million presents to wrap and, quote, 50,000 social events she said she'd go to. Then Rayanne exits the stall and Sharon says, you know what? You're a good listener. And Rayanne <laughs> says, well. she was peeing while she was spewing all this stuff. <laughs> I know. I'm like, she's just peeing. That's all she's yeah. doing and not talking. <laughs> Rayanne says she should be a good listener after listening to her mom's many, many problems over the years. And to top that off, Amber's low-life boyfriend is staying with them, and Brianne starts thinking she'd rather be somewhere else for Christmas. Of course, Sharon knows where she could be for Christmas. Mm. Wonder not where. The, not the best idea, Sharon, but okay. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. Back in the, the hall. least empathetic character on the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back out in the hallway. Angela is writing Ricky a note and slipping it into his locker. And in the background, you can hear someone playing guitar and singing. So she follows the music to find the homeless girl we've seen hanging out, you know, around the episode. And she's in the music room and she's singing the song, which is only on the My So-Called Life soundtrack. You cannot find it anywhere. Makes such me mad. It's a great song. Oh, it's such a pretty song. It is. And the lyrics are deep in the night. I think all the time. All is bright. Here in this dark place, I see in your face, all is not right. Make it, make your way home, find the light, brave it, brave it alone, take a second chance. And the girl looks up to see Angela and apologizes. Angela tells her to keep going, but the girl says she was just leaving. Angela says, because of me, I'm not even supposed to be here. And the girl says, me neither. I hang out here sometimes. It's funny, before I'd never go to school, and now that I don't go to school, I'm always here. Angela asks about her song because it was beautiful. And the girl says it's just something she fools around with and she'll probably be working on it forever. She's so sweet and soft-spoken, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Juliana Hatfield does a great job in this role. Yeah. Like, it's really subtle and it's really – she does a really good job. She's got this, like, strange little accent, too, that I love. It's, like, mm-hmm. kind of just, like – I don't know. I can't do it. <laughs> you can't really place it. Yeah. It's, no, it's hard it's- Angela looks at the girl's fingerless gloves and sees her extremely dirty hands. 
Mm-hmm. As a girl says, I hate to go back out there. I can never get warm. It's because of my shoes. They're worn clean through. She shows Angela her shoes have massive holes in the soles. Yeah. And she says she had a decent pair, but somebody swiped them while she was sleeping. She then just looks at Angela and says, you're Angela, right? You're a friend of Ricky's? And Angela is shocked. Mm-hmm. She asks, you know, where is Ricky? I've been really worried. And the girl says, Angela doesn't have to worry. She's been looking out for Ricky. The school bell rings and the girl walks out of the room and Angela tries to stop her to find out where Ricky is, but the girl is gone as the hall is filled with kids getting out of class now, which is really fast. Like there's, it's a full hallway of kids. It rings and boom, kids. Yeah. Like <laughs> they, they were need... just shoved up against the door of their classrooms waiting for the bell. So she's looking up and down the hallway and she ends up running into Jordan and asks, did you see that girl with the guitar? And he says he didn't. She says she knows where, you know, that girl knows where Ricky is. And Jordan asks, well, if he's still crashing at that old plate, the old warehouse on Tennessee. And I wrote this and I've, my guess is it's Tennessee Avenue. It just feels right. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And he says he brought Ricky there when Ricky said, I'm going to light a candle for you. And I'm like, don't waste your match. I shouldn't say stuff like that. I don't even completely mean it. That was like a deep moment for Jordan. I know. He's like, wow, why did I say that? Like, he was being introspective. Was yeah. Like, be be more of that, Jordan. We want more of this, Jordan. Yeah, I like this, Jordan, this episode. He looks at Angela and realizes she wants to see Ricky and offers to bring her to him as we fade out to another commercial break. And he grabs her hand and they're holding hands as they walk away. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. It's like they're more in tune. Not as a couple than they were as a couple. The pressure's off. That's what it is. You yeah. Know, that's what it is. Yeah. We're back at the chase house with Graham knocking at the door for Danielle to let he and Brian in as they haphazardly carry in a Christmas tree, knocking things over and breaking them along the way. Okay. So why do TV shows always have people with real trees? Because mm-hmm. not everyone does this. A lot of people yeah. use fake trees. I know a lot of people who do. But I in the too. 90s? Yes, we had a fake tree. Oh, really? We had a fake tree all growing up. I didn't have my first tree until like 2000, I think 2000. Yeah, we had, it was always real trees growing up until like all the kids grew up. And then I was just like, fuck this, let's get fake trees. <laughs> Pre-lit everything all the way. Yeah. Yep. It's awesome. So much easier. So like, and then the thing is, when they ever, they do get the real tree, it's always like the day or two before Christmas Eve. Yeah. Like or who does it that Christmas late? Christmas Eve, and you're like, what, "What? What's the point?" Nobody has time, guys, to yeah. sit there and wrap presents and then decorate the house for Christmas a couple of days before Christmas. Right? Yeah. And then you're just gonna take it right back down. Right. It's Why? only up for two days. All you have to do is replenish that damn water. That's all you got to do. Just replenish the water, and you're fine. The tree will be fine. Make sure the cat doesn't get into it, and you're good. Yeah, I remember the first time we did get a tree because it was my very first tree, and I was I was sick. Um, I was really sickly. This was before my surgery. And I was like down, like I said, to 112 pounds. It was really bad. Oh, wow. Really bad. And so we're just driving in my mom's car and we happened to pass by a tree lot. And I said, you know, mom, I've never had a real tree. She goes, never. I said, no, we've always had a fake tree. And she goes, hmm. She immediately jerked the car over and we pulled right into that lot and got a tree right then. Oh, your mom's sweet. Yeah. So we got my first tree and we're putting it up. And you know that scene from uh, Christmas Vacation? And the squirrel jumps out of the tree. Yes. You know, and I'm like, wouldn't that be funny? I was like, squirrel. <laughs> We're laughing. And I didn't notice that my cat had climbed up into the tree. Oh, and no. I heard something scurrying inside. I was like, Holy shit. 
and I opened it up and the cat's just like looking at me. Oh no. <laughs> from the trunk. I'm like, get the hell out of there. <laughs> oh, this is our first Christmas with the new kitten and she's insane. So I worry about our tree. It's gonna Well, be... maybe the other cats will teach her, no, don't do it. Don't do it. She can't be taught. She's wild. <laughs> uh, we'll see. You never know. Yeah. You never know. I got some tips about kittens. I'll tell you about them later. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think you've told me some already, but. I might have. have to, I might you'll have. have to tell me more. Anyway, so they set the tree up and Brian lingers, wondering if there's anything else he can help with. Poor kid. I know. And Graham says no, but then he sees Brian's face and says, well, but if I think of anything. Yeah. Just then, Patty walks in, all smiles, and she sees Brian. She goes, hey, hey, where's Angela? Everybody else is there. Where the hell's Angela? Mm-hmm. I think it's funny, too, like immediately, like maybe she's upstairs in her room. <laughs> she, she's not right here. Like, where is she? I have to know. But it is a Patty thing to do. I have to know right now. Mm-hmm. We cut to the warehouse as Jordan and Angela crawl through some sort of opening. I couldn't tell if it was a door or if it was like a window. I can't really tell. They like crawling through holes, those two. Yeah, they do. Jordan immediately goes over to some people to give them a cigarette, which, you know, he's pretty empathetic now that he's not baiting Angela. Like, yeah. <laughs> but now that he's around her more, he seems more empathetic. Yeah. Angela keeps walking and looks around. There are a bunch of people standing around burning trash barrels. There's candles lit all over the place for a little light and I guess some warmth because candles in bunches can heat the hell out of a room. Mm hmm. There are people lying on the floor everywhere, coughing, sleeping, just staring at her. She goes from room to room to look for Ricky, astonished at what she's seeing. Yeah. They're all kids, basically. Mm-hmm. We suddenly hear the girl singing again. And she sings, open a window, let in the sun, cold is all I know. Go to the fire, stir it around. There's really no place for me to go. So make it, make your way home better than you had. Break it, break thee along. Leave it in the past. Oh, look, and you'll find it. Someone wants to love you. Angela finds her. I know. And she has tears in her eyes as Mm -hmm. she hears this. It's it's a really good song. The girl looks up and sees Angela. Angela smiles at her and says, hi again. And the girl smiles back and then gets up and leads her to another room where Ricky is sleeping on the floor. Angela goes over to him and wakes him up. He's startled and embarrassed. She asks why he's there and why he can't go back home. He doesn't answer. So she grabs him and pulls him up, insisting, you know, you're coming to stay at my house. He immediately gets defensive and says, I'm not sponging off you and your family. And she yells, shut up. It wouldn't be like that. He says that her parents don't want him around. And she insists when he, you know, he come home with her. And she's like, you can't be here. You can't be here, Ricky. Tomorrow's Christmas Eve. He says he was planning to go to his cousin's tomorrow and she needs to go home because they will start wondering where she is. He says she doesn't belong there. And she says he doesn't belong there either. He whips around and says, I can't talk about this. Not with you. If you want to help me, leave me alone. Don't push her away, Ricky. No, Ricky. 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 (laughs) She turns and leaves him as he starts to cry by himself. She goes back to find the guitar girl sleeping already. Like this happened in a matter of seconds. Right. She's passed out. (laughs) I'm done. Song's over. Boom. Yeah. (laughs) So she sits down next to her and takes off her brand new boots. Her parents just gave her that Danielle was griping about. 
and swaps them out for the girl's boots with the hole in the sole, which I always found like a nice little gesture, you know, That's like sweet. she didn't, yeah. you know, her parents are going to get her in some more shoes, you know, and she probably has a million pairs at home that are fine, you know? Yeah. She's like, I don't need these really. So yeah. After another commercial break, Angela comes home in her new worn out boots and she takes them off and goes into the living room to find her whole family and Brian Krakow have pretty much finished decorating the tree. Now, Kay, do you put tinsel on your tree? No. Thank God. It seems like every show I watch wants to convince me that everyone puts tinsel on their tree. No, we growing up, we would have the strings of tinsel, you know, like almost like garlands, the garland, but we didn't have the just the pieces of tinsel, you know. Yeah. And now I just do ribbon instead. Yeah, we do ribbon. I have like this beaded thing. It's like it goes around. It kind of looks like a, I don't know what you call it. It just looks really neat, and sometimes it reflects the light. And we do we kind of swap it out. We have so much. We've collected so many like tree decorations over the years. Sometimes we don't put some up. Sometimes we put these others up, and we have like a different aesthetic almost every year. That's fun. I've always wanted to do a theme tree where it's like all one color or just two colors. But I'm like, I'm not buying all new shit for that. (laughs) No, you just do it over the years. Like you have to look, oh, I have a lot of this color. I can use all this, you know? Yeah. And like we have, we have an angel we can put on top. We have a star. We have a Santa Claus. And we also have this like top hat that you can like, it has like the holly on it. Yeah. And you can light it up. The whole thing lights up. It's really cute. One of those that sounds fun. I think we got it from Cracker Barrel. <laughs> okay, we don't have those shop. out here, <laughs> but anyway. So Angela says that the tree looks great, and Danielle walks over saying, We saved you the angel, which was nice. Nice yeah. of her. Angela puts the angel on top. Her parents gently scold her for being late, just gently, though, they don't really get mad at her. Mm-hmm. She apologizes that she didn't call, she tells them that Ricky's fine. Her parents leave to start dinner, and Brian asks what was wrong with Ricky. Angel immediately goes sour into bitch mode. It's like, excuse me, why are you here? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Angela. It's Christmas. I love Brian retorts with, excuse me, your dad asked me to help set up the tree. Yeah. And their banter is always on point with like old friends. Excuse me this. Excuse me that. Yeah. Yeah. So he asks her about Ricky again, and she makes him promise not to tell anyone. She tells Brian all the details she's figured out that she thinks Ricky's parents beat him up and that he's scared to go home and that he's been sleeping in a warehouse with all these other homeless kids. Meanwhile, Patty and Graham are listening from the kitchen, which I don't know why, but the kitchen door is closed suddenly. Like they always leave the damn thing open in every episode, no matter what's going on, that that door is open. But now, and not this episode, it's a little convenient that the door is closed. That they're kind of having to open it up a little bit to listen. Right. I thought that was really weird. So Angela continues to tell Brian about the kids in the shelter, that they're normal kids just like them. She brings up the guitar girl and says, you know, you know when you're talking to her, she forgets that there's any difference between them. He asks if it's the warehouse by the bowling alley, and she clarifies it's on Tennessee Avenue. And I was right. Ha <laughs> ha. Meanwhile, in the kitchen... Patty is freaking out that Angela was at a warehouse and, you know, what could have ha- something could have happened to her there. Graham's like, don't panic. It's okay. She's Patty home. Said, Chill out. She's home. She's good now. Patty says they need to do something. Actually, she says, <laughs> she says this. 
we have to do the right thing. And Graham says, who are you, Spike Lee? (laughs) (laughs) Which is totally a joke I would make. She scolds him and he agrees that they need to do something. And he yells out, dinner! (laughs) Cut to the next day at the police station. Graham and Patty are there telling the guy at the desk. I guess he's a detective. I don't know what he is. He's in a suit. Yeah. Kind of a bitter old man. Not really too bitter. He's nice, though. He seems nice. He's just kind of like, meh. I've seen it. Been there. Done that. Yeah. Jaded. We'll say jaded. Yeah. Um, Jaded. It's good. (laughs) So they're telling him about the warehouse on Tennessee Avenue and all the kids living there. They say they just want to help this kid they know. The man thanks them, and Graham pulls Patty aside to second guess what they're doing. Patty says, well, these are the people who are supposed to be... So, I can't talk. Supposedly supposed to handle these situations. I mean, I mean what, no, does she, right. what does she think the police is going to do with a warehouse full of homeless kids? There's nowhere for them to go. Exactly. Like, what, there's not like, is, we have all these families with who want a kid. Take right. one. Take your house, kids. <sighs> yeah. Not like wartime when people had to be sent off, you know, and to live somewhere. And you just kind of like, yeah, we had to take a kid, you know? Right. It's not like that. It should be like that, but it's not. She turns back to the man and asks exactly what will happen. And the police says, well, it depends on the circumstances. Is this kid a runaway or a throwaway? And Graham asks for clarification. The guy continues, a runaway leaves home by his own volition. A throwaway or a pushout is pushed out. Patty's like, oh, my God. And as the man continues, she looks over and gets lost in the bulletin board next to them, full of missing posters, missing posters with kids on them. It's just a missing kid posters. (laughs) Sounds like posters that aren't there. Yeah. Where are all the posters? There's missing posters on here. It's full of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, kids on there with missing, you know, written above them. This is where we hear the same kids' voices from the beginning that are praying to God for help. Like, I'm cold. Help me. I'm lost. And it starts to be multiple prayers on top of each other until, you know, Patty's worried face falls on the guitar girl. Yeah. And she's like meeting her eyes like they're like staring into each other yeah she just can't take her eyes off of it she's just particularly drawn to this one right one poster so graham interrupts and says that they should go the man says thank you for your assistance and as they exit he stops them and says you you got a daughter you said and they nod and he says you keep her close okay and patty says okay and the man says merry christmas and they leave yeah back at home we pull out from Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol on the TV as Danielle watches on. Patty comes home and says she asked Danielle to set the table. And Danielle's like, well, Angela said she'd do it. <laughs> Might as well let her. Patty goes into the dining room and is elated at the beautiful setup that Angela has done. Angela is really excited. And Patty notices like there's extra place settings and says, you know, grandma and grandpa are coming. And Angela says, I know. And then Patty says, well, and Uncle Neil and Marla are in Rockport. And Angela says she really wants to invite Ricky and the homeless girl over for Christmas Eve dinner. She realizes she never really told Patty about this girl and her amazing voice. But Patty stops her. She's like, you cannot go back to that place, Angela. And Angela's like, how do you know about that place? Well, you didn't exactly speak in a hushed tone last night, Angela. Like, how do you think she knows? You were like, I need to tell you something. She was like, I need to tell you something, Brian. All Promise these you kids. won't tell me. Don't even tell my parents who are in yeah. the next room. Like, <laughs> why are you speaking so loud? Like, <laughs> yeah. bring it down. Hush tones. 
So Angela knows Patty did something. She's like, what did you do? Did you call the police or something? She then, you know, Patty's face pretty much says yes. Yeah. And she goes, we have to do something. We have to warn them. And Patty says, Angela, you will not go back to that place because this is a serious matter. Angela yells, I know that. Why do you speak to me like that? Like I'm a child. And Patty says, this girl, whoever she is, has serious problems. Angela says, you haven't even talked to her. I've talked to her. This girl, she could be me. Mm. Patty immediately snaps mm. back. Oh, don't say that. You couldn't be her. She couldn't be you. How could you say that? Angela calmly says, because it's true. Yeah. She then says, fine, I'll put up the extra plates. She goes into the kitchen, just kind of slams them down. A little later, Graham comes into the bedroom and Patty is trying and failing to wrap a ribbon around a present. She says she just had an upsetting fight with Angela. By the way, he calls her Shorty again. She's yeah. like, what is it with a Shorty? Yeah. Hey, Shorty. <laughs> what do you call me that for? She says, yeah, she had a fight with Angela and she goes, you know, it's one of those fights where it doesn't even seem real. It seems like the fight is having you. She mm-hmm. says she needs to go speak with Angela, but Graham says that Danielle said Angela went out for a walk. A wave of realization sweeps across Patty's face. And she jumps up and runs out of the room. Yeah. Over at the warehouse, Angela shows up, calling out for Ricky. Ricky, Ricky. But then, out of the darkness, a flashlight shines on her. It's the police. Mm-hmm. And they tell her not to be scared, but she's coming with them. I'm like, uh-oh, this would not be good in today's times. <laughs> No. Nope. Bye. I'm gone. They'd probably mm-hmm. shoot her. Probably. Well, I mean, probably not. She's white. That's true. But it is dark. That's true. You wouldn't know. Another commercial break, and we're back at the chases as Patty prepares to leave. She feels guilty and like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And Graham tells her that they were just trying to help. Danielle walks up. Will someone please explain to me what's going on for like once in my life? <laughs> you know, Danielle. You Tell can figure it now. out. You will not be ignored. Demand answers. <laughs> of course, they brush her off. <laughs> As always. Like, we'll explain to you in a minute. I'm like, poor kid is always in the dark. Patty asks Graham to stay in case Angela phones. She opens the door to leave and Brian Krakow is just standing there right in front of the door. He's up to his awkward Krakow babbling. Um, Hi, I was just, you know, had had nothing like planned. So. So I, so Patty goes, so, so what? Spit it out. <laughs> she's so frustrated. Graham ushers Brian in as Patty says, she's sorry for snapping at Brian. And Graham's like, it's okay. Just go, just go. He tells Brian she's in a hurry. And Danielle says, don't ask me. I just live here. <laughs> <laughs> Brian takes a seat and sees an old black and white version of a Christmas carol on the TV. Now he reaches into his pocket and takes out the flyer for the helpline. Which segues us over to, you guessed it, the helpline. Mm-hmm. Phones are ringing everywhere, and Sharon is actually finishing up a call when the phone rings again. Rayanne jumps at the chance to take over the call. She's like, please, can I get it? Can I get it? And Sharon's reluctant, but she's like, okay, just don't let the supervisor see you. So Rayanne answers, and we see it's Brian on the other end. He says his name is Steve, and Rayanne turns to Sharon and says, oh, it's Brian Krakow. Yeah. Barely covers the the phone and right. whispers very loudly. <laughs> um, Brian starts to tell her about how he misses his parents and how we learned that 
they asked him if he wanted to go stay with his sister and her husband in Denver for the holidays. So, like, he has a sibling now? Yeah. I never, we've like, never heard the, about a sibling before. I know. And even in the beginning of the episode, Graham makes that joke, oh, just that one time to make Brian. Oh, yeah. It sounds like he never had it. I don't know. Like, they couldn't decide. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, she must be, like, way older, you know. Maybe mm-hmm. they don't even know about her. <laughs> Maybe they never met her. He says he didn't go because he would have all this time to himself to like work on PSATs. It's like, ugh. Gross. It would be peaceful. All the while, Rayanne is giving that hand motion like, speed it up, Brian. Get to the point. Speed it up. Speed it up. Mm-hmm. Then his voice starts to quiver and her expression changes. He says he didn't expect to feel this lonely. And this is where she turns to Sharon and says, oh, my God, he's crying. And Sharon's like, get out of town. And Ryan, Rand's like, hand to hand God. To God. <laughs> so funny. So <laughs> she says, don't worry, I've got this. Oh, God. <laughs> Sharon's like, let me get the supervisor. She's like, no, I got it. Don't, don't get it. So she, she turns back and Ryan says, so, Steve, you never asked me my name. And he says, what is your name? And she says, Jade. He asks, if, do you go to Liberty? And she says, negative, Steve. <laughs> and he says, thank God. And then she asks, so what are you wearing? <laughs> Good classic Rayanne. So great. He's like, um, my red flannel shirt and some brown corduroys. She says, would you like to know what I'm wearing, Steve? And he says, um, Sure. He's not sure what to think of this. I know. This is when Rayanne gets good. She goes, I'm wearing a tank top. It's really low cut. I'm practically popping out of it. <laughs> and these super tight shorty cutoffs. Oh, they are so tight. I better unzip them. Mmm. That's so much better. <laughs> and he says, are, are you sure this is the helpline? Did I call the right number? (laughs) She says, it's the helpline, all right. Mm, It's getting really warm in here. I think I should take off my tank top. (laughs) And he says, look, I better get off. Uh, I mean, hang up. I mean, I'm at my neighbor's. So she says, think of it this way, Steve. Still feel like crying? (laughs) And that's when he hangs up and has this like slight smirk on his face. Yeah. Rianne turns to Sharon, who gives this uncomfortable smile. Yeah, she's just like, fuck, <laughs> oh, what did <God>. I do? <laughs> they knew the guys. It's okay. Cut to Patty parks on the side of the street. Flustered, she gets out and asks a couple, excuse me, is this Tennessee Avenue? And this woman is so freaking rude. She's like, we're late and <laughs> walks on. I'm like, a simple yes or no would suffice, bitch. Right, yeah. It doesn't take that long. In fact, it's quicker than we're late, fucker. We're, right. It's Christmas Eve, lady. Have some fucking, I don't know, Holiday cheer. spirit or something. <laughs> Goodwill towards men. My God. Yeah, that thing. And women. So Patty looks up and sees the girl with the guitar strapped on her back and begins to follow her down the crowded sidewalk. She sees Angela's shoes and the girl turns back and meets her eyes before continuing on. Mm-hmm. The phone rings at the chases and Brian answers before Graham takes the phone. Angela tells him that the police brought them all all the kids from the warehouse into the basement of this church. And Graham takes down the address and tells her, you know, I know where that is and say, says, stay there. And he hangs up and says, we're going to church. <laughs> Patty got her wish. Mm-hmm. 
Meanwhile, Patty arrives outside the church, looking around and calling out for Angela. The girl walks up behind her, and Patty sees her and apologizes for following because her daughter has boots just like those. She had boots just like those. She starts to cry because she's worried about Angela. And the girl says, I know, because I'm no different from her. And Patty says, no, you don't understand. And the girl says, sure I do. I had a mom, clean sheets, all of that. Another toss of the dice. I could be in her shoes. She could be in mine. So I'm like, oh, I don't know why I never caught the metaphor of the shoe swapping. I don't know why I never caught that. But, I, you know. And then Patty just looks at her and says, there before the grace of God. And the girl finishes, go I. Yeah. They look at each other for a moment before the girl says, go ahead, ask me. And Patty says, why did you leave home? And the girl explains she had a fight with her mother, the kind where it seems like the fight is having you. She then asks Patty what else she wants to know. And Patty sits for a second and he says, how did you die? Oh, God, this part. <laughs> the girl pauses looking down. But when she looks back up, she says, I froze. Yeah. It's like, That's the part Whoa. that I'm tearing up. You just you retelling it. It's so like I remember the first time seeing that and I wasn't expecting it. I was just like, what? I was just sobbing. Like Patty's intuition is on point at this point. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Like <sighs> she just knew. She just knew. Like this yeah. is not uh, you know, she's not yeah. living. Patty looks up, says, Oh God, please help me. And she looks back and the girl's gone. However, there is someone humming Oh Holy Night inside the church. So Patty follows the sound and goes in. She sees a few people inside and a quartet of women singing. Then she looks over and sees Ricky kneeling and lighting prayer candles. It's a beautiful scene. Yeah. You know, he's, he's praying her for everyone. You know he's praying for everyone in his life. Yeah. And she just watches on with tears in her eyes. He stands up, does his whole... Holy Trinity thing, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you call it, but. Is it like genuflex or something like that? I have no idea. I'm not, I'm not a good Catholic. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. She meets, you know, they. he stands up and he looks over and he sees her. And then he starts to walk over to her and she meets him and he starts to cry as she takes his hand and pulls him in for a hug. It's truly one of the saddest, but most heartwarming things i've ever seen in an episode of any tv show i know the emotion is just so raw yeah you know? it feels like you're there for sure we crossfade to angela walking up the steps to the quartet singing i feel like going home angela looks over and sees ricky and patty sitting together and she runs up to them and hugs ricky first and patty is just relieved and looks up as if to thank god for answering her prayer angela moves over and gives her mom a big hug next. After that, Graham, Brian, and Danielle enter to find the three sitting in a pew watching the quartet sing. They each take a seat. Angela smiles at Brian and Danielle. It's a tender moment as we realize that Patty got her Christmas wish yep. for the entire family to be at church for Christmas. We do this quick crossfade thing to see Sharon and Rayanne actually having fun and getting along at the helpline. And we also see Jordan sitting alone in a window, lighting a candle. And leaning. And leaning. We got a Christmas Jordan Catalano lean. 
the choir dissolves into a way in a manger as the chases Brian and Ricky begin to head home from the church as the homeless girl watches on from up high. She looks down, she looks up, and then she jumps and we see her wings briefly. Yeah. The episode ends originally with a note to the viewer that if they know a kid who is missing and needs help reuniting with their family to call 1-800-THE-LOST. It's not in the episode that's on Hulu. They took that off, but it was Wilson Cruz narrating it. So, you know, if you need a kid who wants to be home for the holidays, whatever, call 1-800-THE-LOST. So, but I remember it because I watched it so much. The recording I had. (laughs) Yeah. So much from the original broadcast. I wonder if that's still an active number. Oh, I'm sure it is. God, this episode, it breaks my heart. It's a great one, right? Oh, yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I rewatched it. It's been a few years since I rewatched it, actually. So I'm glad I watched it. And I'm glad that I got to see it from a different perspective this time a little bit, you know, and really analyze it a little bit more and go, you know what? This was really good. A couple of things, you know. Any show, any movie or whatever always has something that's wrong. Like, does Brian have a sibling or not? Like, <laughs> right. Is he Where did the child? piano come from? Yeah. yeah. Where's the cat again? Like, yeah. <laughs> did they get him treats? Like, their ghost cat? <laughs> Are they delusional? Is that whole family crazy? We don't know. But, yeah, I'm glad. And I hope you guys enjoyed that as well. I hope you watched along with us. Or at least you enjoyed this recap of it. And uh, hope you had a pleasant holiday season for sure. If you want, please reach out to K at FMWLPod on most social platforms like Instagram and TikTok and blah, 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 blah. The Rewatch Recap was brought to you by me, Dustin Holden. You can find the show on Instagram at The Rewatch Recap, or you can find me on TikTok at Dustin underscore Holden. Find me there for my weird ass sense of humor, amongst other silly things related to my other show, Dustin Can Read and Watch. Speaking of which, my email is the same as the other show. You can reach me at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you, and we hope everybody had a happy belated holiday season. We'll be back next week with episode 16 titled Resolutions. Guess what that's about? (laughs) I have no idea. It's a mystery for sure. (laughs) Until then, have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye.